Hey everybody, welcome back to But Why the Podcast, and today we are celebrating Akira Toriyama's birthday. As always, I'm Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And not Matt, because he's turned into IT for our site, and special guest, Alex. Hey, I'm here. Now, question, since Matt usually, for this type of episode, says he's here to not get fined, will there in fact be a fine, now that he's Ooh, not here? we need to come up with a fine, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you're getting fined, and I'm only half sorry. <laughs> um obviously if any of you have listened to the podcast multiple times oh no i'm jumping ahead alex tell people where they know you from that yeah, maybe you know me from this last... podcast yeah i was like is it the last 20 episodes of our show <laughs> yeah at this point you know me from this podcast you might also know me from friday.com not on the friday podcast but on the friday writers room podcast uh and formerly hosted what we talk about when we talk about uh, another pop culture podcast and currently hosting game boys which is a co-op and multiplayer gaming podcast Fun fact about what we talk about we want what we talk about when we talk about is actually a podcast that helped inspire this podcast. And I'm so glad. Yeah, and every time he says formerly of, it's like a little bit of like me dies a little bit inside. <laughs> yep. A little bit. I know. It it we just we we hit a point where we were like, we gotta retire from this. Clearly I haven't retired from podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> you're just the uh the rotating guest. You're the guest, you're Basically. you're the ringer. Yeah. I mean, once once you have the equipment to record, it's really hard to not just like jump into things and people are like, you want to come do this? <laughs> um, That's why my schedule looks the way it does. Anyway, mm-hmm. if you've listened to any of our Dragon Ball episodes, any of our anime episodes, you know that I'm not the person to be talking about this. But you do know that Adrian's probably the biggest Dragon Ball fan that I know in existence. So Adrian, take it over. Yeah, so Akira Toriyama is a big deal in terms of like all of like the manga and the anime stuff. So I think we know that. So my intro question for this week is, do you know any of Toriyama's work outside of Dragon Ball without looking at like the show notes? I know, I'll go first because I know because of how I, I picked up Dragon <laughs> Quest because it looked like Dragon Ball. And that was that was the mm. reason that and I don't know what he did on it. I know he I know that those look like Dragon Ball. So I'm going to make the the logical assumption that he had something to do with Dragon Quest. Correct. Yeah, he's a yeah. Character designer. OK, yeah. cool. OK, yeah, outside okay. of that, nothing whatsoever. They just had the same funky hair and weird eyes. So. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Alex? Yeah, honestly, same. I think i re- like i've read through all of dragon ball and all of dragon ball z i've watched most of dragon ball z i think i've actually i've probably watched all of it at this point um but i don't really know his stuff outside of that like as soon as kate said dragon quest and characters i was like oh yeah absolutely and so now i'm like how many other things has he worked on that i'm familiar with and didn't realize he was affiliated with yeah for sure that's kind of like how how um i was going when i was going through this because i obviously know him from dragon ball and that was going to be the the bulk of my knowledge from him, but he's been in a lot of stuff. Like this dude is a hard worker and also makes a lot of sense on why he's not doing a whole lot these days, because he's kind of like done a whole bunch of stuff and can kind of just ride off into the sunset at this point. So some background history, Akira Toriyama is a Japanese manga artist and character designer. Um, He's also like super, super private. So there's honestly like not a whole lot known about him personally. He doesn't hardly ever do media. Uh, Even when he was Mm -hmm. like one of the, you know, when even when his when Dragon Ball is selling more than anything like in existence, like he's still not doing a whole lot of interviews. 
Uh, he's like a pretty forgetful guy, pretty laid back guy. So doesn't have a whole lot on him. So there isn't a whole lot of background history here, but we'll run through the majority of it. So his first, his first uh, mainstream achievement in recognition that isn't actually Dragon Ball. It's actually Dr. Slump. And hmm. that was his best known work up until that point. He actually won awards for Dr. Slump um, and then did Dragon Ball and then went on to work as a character designer for games like Dragon Quest, like Kate mentioned, Chrono Trigger and Blue Dragon. Oh, the hair makes sense now. Yeah, right. Like once you start seeing the character designs, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that is, that's, that's Dragon Ball character. Is for he, sure. and this is showing my ignorance, uh, re manga and, and anime and all that. Is he responsible for anime hair? Like as a, as a whole? I don't think so. Cause it's, well, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of tough. It's hard. Cause like, and like he didn't invent anime, but there's a yeah. certain aesthetic yeah. from his from dragon ball that gets brought into other shonen at the time kind of yeah. like like without without dragon ball would yugi look like that <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> but i think like some of the inspiration comes from like astro boy i think because astro boy has weird hair and i think that he just like took that and ran with it and i was like hey, okay yeah has that makes hair, sense so let's just get all of Whoa. my characters weird hair even back to, like when he's doing dr slump yeah and i mean it, it it's kind of like how like um, Naoko Takeuchi didn't invent shoujo, but yet everything after Sailor Moon looks like Sailor Moon. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think it's just like when you have somebody who is that impactful, like yes, they didn't invent it. it it's but... the Apple method of you don't have to do it first; you just have to do it best exactly. or best. So I wouldn't far. necessarily call Dragon Ball hair best, but <laughs> <laughs> most notably. <laughs> Because, yeah, Adrian, as soon as you said he did it to all of his characters, I was like, well, Bulma looks normal. And then I remembered how many looks Bulma has had. She's had a lot. Yeah. Bulma is a style icon. (laughs) She is. But her hair, like when I was reading through Dragon Ball over the summer, it was like every 10 issues there was a new hairstyle. And it was incredible. Yeah. That has, I think, a little bit to do with the fact that Akira Toriyama is like forgetful and probably forgot how he drew her in one thing and it was like hey that i think she would look so cool happy. like this <laughs> is, that's amazing don't, don't quote me on that but doing this research that's kind of what i feel happened there for him uh but you know when you're looking at at his kind of trajectory he basically gets his start in um drawing and artistry back when he is in his um elementary school days all of his elementary school friends um, were drawing anime and manga, so he, you know, followed in that trend, and he actually entered in a hundred and one Dalmatians um, art uh, piece to a local art studio, and he actually won based on his art, and that got him into the work. So he's also a big Disney fan. He's a big movie fan. He's like a mm-hmm. he's he, to me seems like he's just like an everyman kind of thing. Where he's a big Disney fan. He loves sci-fi. Loves kung fu action movies. Um, all those things, but his first kind of like big art piece was actually at 101 Dalmatians, which is his favorite Disney movie um, art piece. That's adorable. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, he didn't immediately go into doing manga. However, he actually started working at a advertising agency designing posters, um, but he had quit that job and started submitting his own manga work to different contests and things like that, specifically for Jump Magazine, which we've talked about a whole bunch through all of our anime episodes, basically uh, one of the uh, publishers of the manga and things like that. And he ended up winning a prize there as well, um, which started, you know, letting him know that he could do this manga thing 
and kept going into it. He actually had his debut in 1978 with the story of Wonder Island, which was published in Weekly Shonen Jump. Um, however, that didn't really rise in popularity. His big kind of jumping off point was actually Dr. Slump, which is basically kind of like a toilet humor parody type of um, manga. And it was serialized in the Weekly Shonen Jump from 1980 to 1984. And he began this series basically at 25, living at home with his parents. And by the end of the series, he was basically a manga superstar. So before he even starts Dragon Ball, he's already pretty big in the manga scene because he actually won one of like the big manga awards for Dr. Slump before he even starts Dragon Ball. Okay, Dr. Slump um, is adorable. I'm, I love Yeah, I'm looking at him. This, this is cute is as hell. So yeah. cute. I really like this. Um, also very literal on the toilet humor. Yeah. But this is cute. This is also like to call it out, like this looks like the style that gets done still today in Shonen Sunday stuff. Like it also kind of reminds me a little bit of like Conan. Just like looking stuff up. Hmm. Yeah, I Conan. can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Conan. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. This is cute. Yeah, super cute, super popular, ran for uh, a very long time. Um, up until 1984, but then in 1984, Weekly Shonen Jump begins serializing Dragon Ball, which becomes an instant hit and definitely becomes one of the biggest manga and animes ever. As we've talked about many times when we were talking about like kind of like the numbers, Dragon Ball is still at number three for the most uh, manga sales and then would go on to be all these um, all these animes. Some are good, some are bad, but definitely took the world by storm. Actually, while he was still working with Dragon Ball Weekly, which was a big uh, task in and of itself, because as you as you've probably know by now from all the anime episodes we've done recently, these guys basically do the work all themselves <laughs> and it like works him into like a frenzy. So this dude's been working on like, you know, weekly chapters of manga since his Dr. Slump days and then he's doing Dragon Ball. But then he's also approached to be a character designer for Dragon Quest in 1986. So he basically gets pulled into it, doesn't even really know what an RPG is. Uh, he already had a busy schedule, but he was just happy to be a part of like the game, um, just happy to be asked to be a part of it. So that really kind of starts his work as a character designer in various hmm. video games and things like that uh, moving forward. That's cool. Yeah, I did not realize that he had done like, I guess, any video game work until we started this episode. Because, um, again, just being familiar with him for the one thing and uh, not looking through his whole portfolio. But that's it's cool that he was like willing to take a chance on working on that. Cause especially in like the mid eighties, like video games were kind of a thing The NES slash Famicom had like saved things a bit, but like that was still kind of a gamble I would imagine to take on. Yeah. Especially with all the other work that he's done, he's already established himself. He doesn't have to go work on video games. Right. Uh, yeah. Like it was a he, choice. Yeah. And it paid off pretty well for him. Um, Cause I don't really I mean, I don't want to like, quote this but we've talked about like like oda with like one piece and things like that that's pretty much like that's what he did he did one piece mm -hmm. and yeah. then that's all he's kind of like dedicated his life to whereas toriyama's kind of done a little bit of other things here and there which we'll talk about once we start getting into the but why those um but again kind of mostly by himself in those early days he has his own studio called bird studio which is a play on his name tori meaning bird again toriyama oh, nearly cute. yeah it's super I like cute that. Toriyama does nearly all of the work at Bird Studio himself, uh, even when he employed an assistant. Until 1995, he was basically like the only one doing the work at that studio. So the assistants would mainly do backgrounds, but he would do the majority of the work. His life now is a little bit different, and we'll get into that in, in a bit. But in the, in the early days, it was just him and maybe one assistant uh, working through everything there. And that's kind of his backstory. There's really not a whole lot. Like, we don't really mm -hmm. know. He, he has kids. 
he has kids, but we only know like the name of like one of the kids. Uh, Goku. It, it, it's <laughs> <laughs> his son is actually named Sasuke, um, but Wait, we don't know what. Like, what, what the... Yeah, his, he has a son named Sasuke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which I thought it was. Super That's awesome. Cute, right? um, but yeah, not not a whole lot about him. Kind of background compared to some of the other you know big artists and manga that we've covered in the past, but. That doesn't mean his impact is any less so. So we're going to jump right into the but why those, unless there's any other questions. No, no, I'm just excited to jump into it and talk about it. Because, like, I honestly, the Dragon Quest thing, I've just assumed that he did it. And I didn't know anything else. I thought, like, maybe there was a manga beforehand. I play some of the game. And I don't, like, because mm. I, I think of, like, a lot of, like, the JRPG stuff, like, in video games, like, the mm-hmm. older stuff even blue like is it blue dragon or blaze blue, blue dragon blue dragon yeah, blue like dragon. that that looks that like that's his style and stuff. so i've always just assumed that he did game work so it's nice to know that like it mm. wasn't a dumb assumption yeah and it's kind of i yeah. just think it's crazy that he's like hey i don't know what an rpg is but i'm gonna design all the art mm-hmm. for this fairly successful rpg game uh love it but that's kind of his personality as you'll see as we kind of move through this he's a very kind of go with the flow fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy which is mm-hmm. um, endearing in and of itself. So for the But Why Those, we're just going to get it out of the way and we're going to talk about it. Kira Toriyama is like the godfather of shonen anime and manga, um, just in general, like everywhere, whether it's here in the West um, or back in Japan, like he's, he's the godfather. Like we, we wouldn't have, before this episode, before the episode, we're talking about Jujutsu Kaisen and like all these really great anime probably wouldn't happen to this popularity without Dragon Ball yeah. coming along. Uh, we've covered Dragon Ball as a franchise a few times on the podcast, episode 15, and then the revisit with episode 89. So I won't go too much about like why Dragon Ball like as a franchise matter. Um, but it's pretty clear that his work has influenced many artists to go on and produce, mm-hmm. you know, their other big, big short animes. So some of the artists who have been quoted as gaining their inspiration directly from Toriyama. Um, you know, One Piece, Naruto, Fairy Tale, Bleach, uh, Venus, Venus Virus, uh, just to name a few who draw direct inspiration from his work, whether that's through Dragon Ball or Dr. Slump. And of course, you know, many people, me included, uh, Dragon Ball is the gateway anime for the popularity in the West, you know, just as Sailor Moon was the gateway anime for the shoujo genre in the West as well. So those mm-hmm. bringing those to the forefront um, allows, you know, things for like Toonami to have a crazy run of anime when, um, when we're growing up on Cartoon Network. Yeah. Uh, and any, anytime like, somebody asks if I like Dragon Ball, it's like, or Dragon Ball Z, it's like, was I a young boy around the two thousands? <laughs> like, like what kind of dumb question is that? Of course I do. Yeah, one of his one of his quotes, and I didn't put it in here, but it was something to the effect of like where he's just like vibing out and he's not understanding like why it's so popular. And he's like, I'm just trying to like write stories that make little boys happy. Like that's all I'm really trying to do. Um and it and it and it works. Um but mm-hmm. it, and ca- captures a pretty broad audience as well. Uh kind of in a lot of the same ways that Sailor Moon does. Cause I was watching Sailor Moon too. I love Sailor Moon. I didn't know about the whole See, this is why, this is why I wish Matt was here so Matt could talk about the, the moon baby. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, moon baby <laughs> falling out of the sky. And that one random episode where she has a gun. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, it is nice to kind of hear that, like, that was his focus, though, because it is, like, I feel like, not to call out, like, any specific manga, but there's some manga 
where the mangaka okay there's some manga like bleach where like the mangaka like literally makes it for themselves and they don't really make it for anybody else and they just kind of like literal and, and like i love bleach Kubo is definitely like up there but like he said like i just wanted to draw cool stuff he didn't care about anything mm. else and so i think yeah. just like i'd making this so my audience is happy and my audience is like these specific like kids or whatever like i think like that is a very directed line of creation that makes Mm. it a lot more like there's a connection between you your work and your audience that you kind of miss when somebody Mm. only makes something to make money or only make something for themselves yeah yeah definitely um loves the franchise love what loves what he's doing and we loved it as well because um like alex mentioned at the beginning kind of like apple he's definitely not the first person to be to he didn't invent shonen anime he didn't invent anime uh but he did it in the best way to bring the most popularity so before dragon ball comes along the big shonen anime are essentially astro boy which he draws direct inspiration from you know, speed racer and voltron kind of if you want to like loosely yeah. kind of classify them in there i do but love neither- speed racer <laughs> Yeah, but neither of those like explode have and have the kind of success that Dragon Ball does in both anime and then the manga. So the manga by the end of its run, not including Super, but 42 volumes with 240 million copies sold worldwide, currently the third best selling manga series of all time during its anime run had a 20.5% rating across its run, which is really, 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 really high for an anime in Japan. And then the U.S., here in the U.S., season three premiered on Cartoon Network with the highest rated ever in 1999. Uh, again, was a lot of people's first anime and was a staple of mm-hmm. Tsunami for decades, even into when it's supers rolling around as well. Uh, dubbed all across the world in the U.S., Australia, Europe, India, Latin America, Canada has its own dub. Um, and this isn't something, especially in that you know late 80s, early 90s period, into the early, even into the early 2000s is a thing where you can consume an anime in wide languages as well as the manga also being translated into uh, English as well. So when you Not say that, sorry, I was like, when you say that Canada got its own dub, do you mean like French Canadian or did they just do like a, a boot? No, there's dub? with more yeah, A's in it. <laughs> no, there's like a what, what is it called? Uh, I don't know. Grant from Gilmore Ball Z would be able to talk better on this than I would. But there's like, cause we, we've talked about it before. But there's like an oceanic, like not oceanic, but like, it's like ocean dub. I think is like the the correct name for it. Mm. It's just like slightly different, but it it's because of the Funimation and you know legal yeah. things. Oh, you know that I mean? makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So their their dub was and the American different. dub swears a lot. Yeah. And there's um, more guns in it. <laughs> And then merchandising wise, you know, close to $5 billion when it comes to how much like the franchise is worth. So, you know, not the first, but definitely even now, one of the most popular and um, and it shows. So even going into a question. Yes. When did Dragon Ball Z go off the air? Has it? I don't think it's ever gone off the air. Well, I mean, like when did like the series end? Well, the series ended in like '95. Is okay because like, when... like I still see Dragon Ball Z merch in stores. So like, as far as staying power, yeah. we are 26 oh, yeah. years out from that. Like, it's insane. Oh yeah, crazy, crazy staying power. Half of my like tick like anime side of TikTok is either like Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, or some other like anime. But Dragon Ball is like always there mm-hmm. on that side of TikTok. It powerful, powerful, um, and even kind of getting into some of like the big tropes and sh- and, and shown in anime. You know, despite them like 
not starting here or being invented here or even having the best versions of these tropes, they're pretty much solidified in Dragon Ball. And we've kind of talked um, at the at the top of this that even like hair stuff is is kind of solidified here in, in Dragon Ball. So a couple of things just um, broadly, you know, comedy meeting action, kind of bringing, bringing that toilet humor from Dr. Slump to, um, you know, a kung fu fighting thing and merging those two together where it merges pretty well you know long fight scenes foil uh, personalities with your rival your himbo protagonists long villain arcs versus kind of just more the villain of the week thank style you for kind. saying himbo protagonist i got you it's i got you good. i put that one i put that one in there just for you kate just for you uh more established power systems uh large cast with side characters being at least relatively relevant i i will offer that yeah. dragon ball z doesn't always have the best treatment of their side characters mm-hmm. but you know it was there are more than just goku and vegeta in the series um lots of bad guys becoming good guys and of course filler episodes mm-hmm. become kind of a staple here even in some of the tv shows where you feel like oh that's just like a filler episode even though it's not like technically the same because it doesn't come from a manga yeah. you know yada 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 uh, but those things like are all things you can see in Shonen anime now mm-hmm. that weren't as prevalent in say like Astro Boy or Speed Racer yeah. or Voltron. Um, I mean, literally, this list describes of all things Haikyuu. Yeah, like if you watch it, yes, it has comedy. It has overly long matches. You have uh, Kageyama and Hinata. You have is Hinata a himbo? Just like a weak one. <laughs> Hinata is definitely a baby himbo. Like he definitely only <laughs> thinks with his heart and nothing else, which gets him yeah. into the shit that he's in half the time. Right. But yeah, even the power systems thing, like it, that anime yeah. is like, oh, here's this new team. We have to learn new techniques to beat them. Like literally that's how big of an influence Dragon Ball has had is that a volleyball manga has all of these <laughs> tropes. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get the training montage arcs in there. Cause you know, is it a thing without a training montage or a tournament I think they do like a, they do like a half season training it is not a shonen if there's not a beach episode or a <laughs> uh tournament arc yeah yeah basically and yeah, dragon we'll ball has little, all of that yeah it has all of those things we'll talk a little bit about tournament arcs um a little bit later and kind of his influence for those but i didn't want to spend too much time about like singing the praises of dragon ball and it's kind of because sure. we, we, we've done that before but you know if you didn't know now you know a lot of those big tropes that you love in you know my hero and, and things like that really start and are solidified here and then are just improved on over the years through things like you know one piece and bleach to some extent Moving on from there, we'll kind of go into some of his range. So outside of, you know, Dr. Slump and um, Dragon Ball, he has done a lot of stuff, as we've talked about so far. So he has 48, and this is this 48 manga publishings is includes Dragon Ball, of course, but this mm-hmm. also includes one-shots and full series to crossovers, about 48 credits with mangas published in things like Weekly Shonen Jump and um, things related to that. He has eight art books published and then in terms of anime that he's like worked on and been a part of outside of dragon ball he's had 11 different anime that he's Mm -hmm. worked on whether as a character designer as you know dr slump had its own anime run as well so he's been in that aspect outside of dragon ball for for quite Mm -hmm. a while as well he's worked on four 14 video games where he's designed the characters again including chrono trigger dragon quest and Blue Dragon, and of course, a few of the Dragon Ball games. Not all of the Dragon Ball games, but he has had some input on quite a few. Um, 
I didn't know that he was involved in Chrono Trigger. That was one of the ones that surprised me the most. This is another one where I wish Matt was here so we can... Because t- I think Matt played Chrono Trigger. I think we've talked about this I think in the he, past, Yeah, right? I think he's played Chrono Trigger, yeah. Yeah. So um, there's just the range in that. The fact that he's mm-hmm. in, in that realm, I think, is just really, really cool. Yeah. And, you know, he got his start as an adver- at an advertising company. So he's been mm-hmm. commissioned through various companies. He has about 26 commissions that I was able to find, um, including... Company designs, mascots, things like that. But he's also a big car lover. Guy loves his cars. And he also, he got uh, tapped to design an all-electric single-person car in 2005 called the Q-Vault. And I put a picture in the show notes, but go Google it. Q-Vault. It looks strangely like the cars in Dragon Ball, and I love it. This is adorable. If you you take out the words on the poster next to this car... It just looks like it's promoting like an anime. Yeah. If that just said Q-Volt and had that drawing, and then when you realize that that drawing is of a real car. That's adorable, actually, and I want one. Yeah, I 10 out of 10 would get these. I don't know if you can get them. I think um, uh, in 2005, I think it was like $19,000 US US dollars. So I'm not sure where you could find these, maybe on eBay somewhere or something, but they do exist. So, yeah, lots of ranges there. I mean, he doesn't really have too much to do when it comes to the like the storyboards or anything like that for some of these video games. But his character designs are um, very distinct. And you can tell just by Googling any of those games um, that you're like, oh, yeah, that's that's a Toriyama, Toriyama design. And even brings it into real life when he designs cars. Uh, again, I would buy this car in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. It probably has like 10 miles on it, but I'm down. I'll take it to the store and back 100%. So moving on for there, and this will probably be a little bit of a longer section here, but kind of talking more about his his influences to create Dragon Ball more specifically, and then kind of his process and how that kind of differs from the manga we've discussed in the past. So Toriyama is a big fan of both giant uh I combine Japanese and Chinese in like the same <laughs> word. Chinese, Jesus Christ. Um, Toriyama is a big fan of both Chinese and Japanese cultures and have clear influences on his work. Dragon Ball, um, when he was a kid specifically, is influenced almost directly by Journey to the West with Goku being Sun Wukong and, and Bulma being Tang Zan Zang. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact, when the movie Journey to the West, Conquering the Demons, came out in China in 2013, when it was released in Japan... Uh, Akira Toriyama got to draw the Sun Wukong design for the advertising poster. So kind of came full circle for him where he had the influence and then got to go back in Mm -hmm. and design uh, the Sun Wukong for that. In Dragon Ball, if you're not familiar, when all seven Dragon Balls are gathered, Shenron, Big Dragon, comes out, bestows a wish to the ones who gathered the balls. This setting is basically modeled after the Japanese classic literature, The Tale of Eight Dogs, the story of... Eight samurai half brothers who bear the word dog in their surnames. The Dragon Balls are used on an episode where the spirit enhanced balls are spread across the Japanese region, kind of like when the, the Dragon Balls go up into the sky and disperse. That's kind of like the same similar um, setting there. Did not know that. Uh, very, very interesting there. But he's also a big movie fan and kind of TV show fan. So Dr. Slump is mainly a comedy series, as we've talked about before, with puns and toilet humor and sexual innuendos. 
uh, but it also contains a lot of sci-fi elements, aliens, anthropomorphic characters, time travel, you know, parodies on works such as Godzilla, Star Wars, and Star Trek. So it definitely takes those things, um, not just in Japanese media, but Western media yeah. as well, and parried them in one of like his best works in Dr. Slump. Jackie Chan's Drunken Master essentially, uh, essentially influenced him to create a one-shot kung fu shonen manga called Dragon Boy, which if you look at that manga, it's basically Dragon Ball, um, almost <laughs> like panel for panel, essentially. But that success from that convinced him to go in to work on Dragon Ball as his next project full-time. In fact, Master Roshi's alter ego, Jackie Chung, is basically Jackie Chan's mm. character in that That's movie. That's adorable. Of course, Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon influenced his tournament arcs that he is pretty known for in that series, and which are, in my opinion, some of like the best arcs in any anime. I love tournament arcs. Give me tournament arcs in everything, and I will watch it. I'm somebody who says I hate them, and then one of them happens, and I'm like, mm, I'm all on board. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah. The, the tournament uh, arcs are fun because it's like, you're here for the fighting, right? What if I cut out anything that's not the fighting? <laughs> and that's kind of what I enjoy about them. Yeah. Also, I'm looking mm-hmm. at Dragon Boy, and this is just Goku with Yamcha's hair. Basically. It's basically what it is, honestly. And he's also a big fan of the Terminator franchise, so it's no surprise that, you know, Sergeant uh, Metallic in Dragon Ball looks almost exactly like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like just more buffed up. Or just and also course- that may- Sorry. That makes so much more sense now. I didn't know that, but the entire Android shit makes yeah, so exactly. much sense. It yeah, really all does. The, all the post-apocalyptic storylines and things like that. I think drugs um, coming I, back, like uh, it, it all. Dear Lord, it, yeah, a lot is... of pieces just fell into place. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I couldn't find anything to to prove this, but Terminator Two came out, and then almost like the week later. After Terminator 2 came out, uh, the Android saga starts in Dragon Ball with Frieza coming back and Trunks coming back from like the the messed up future. He could have already been working on that. I don't know, but it was very very like coincidental timing that Terminator 2 comes out and then the Android saga starts basically in Dragon Ball Z. Um, and because in the, in that kind of reference there, where things kind of like veer to the left in a lot of the times in Dragon Ball as like a franchise. Um, many people like are of the mind that Toriyama is like a lazy writer, but I think that's not really fair. Um, during his run of Dragon Ball, he pumped out a lot of content to have it be one of the top selling manga ever, basically doing that on his own. Um, he has taken a step back compared to other people who are still pumping stuff out. You know, um, One Piece still going. We have no idea when that's going to end. Uh, also nobody but, can ever be compared to oda like that man's yeah. not we've said it every mm-hmm. time he comes up he's not a human yeah he's not, not human um and differently than the way you know hunter x hunter x hunter uh manga like just was like all right stopping it all for a very long yeah. time uh he kind of kept going and then had to stop and was like okay this is a good stopping point for my series i'm kind of done from here um, but he's also still very involved in the anime to the point where he handpicked the Japanese voice actress for Goku in the Dragon Ball Z um, original sub. Yeah, that's how he that's how he wanted Goku to sound. So very, very involved in that process. I can never talk crap about it again. And thank you. Right? for ruining. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, as soon as you said, that, I was like, I thought people hated that. 
Yeah, people here hate it. People here hate it, but people in Japan loved yeah. it because like that's what he wanted uh Goku to sound like. Um and he also kind of stepped away, and we'll talk about this here in a second, but he stepped he's stepped away for like a very, very long time in terms of like hands-on work. But the thing I think this also comes back to like this dude was doing Dr. Slump, which won, you know, top and uh manga awards for. Then he jumped into doing Dragon Ball for um you know was it like 11 years so the dude worked a lot and he was quoted as saying that while he was working on dr slump there was a time where i slept only 20 minutes in the span of six days which given that we've talked about a lot of monkey i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility that this dude slept 20 minutes in six days trying to meet those weekly shonen jump deadlines that kate mentioned before um, which I was going to say, like, one of the things I will say, or at least I give a lot of credit to, like, early shonen manga writers, is, like, not all of them are perfect because of how much work they had to do. Like, we talked about it in the Hunter x Hunter, or the Hunter x Hunter episode, like, like, the art was wonky at times because he was focused on trying to do story, but he had to do art. And, yeah. like, you end up with, like, some things will suffer when you're that busy and trying to pump out stuff like that. And I think that there's just more stuff in place now that makes it easier. Like, there are full-on teams that publishers work with and stuff like that, especially for big shonen. So, like, I wouldn't say he's lazy. I think people just say that because it's easy to say he's lazy, but, like, Homeboy established the tropes. Like, he established the tropes. He didn't just say, I'm lazy and abiding by them. He's like, no, he built the things that everybody else gets lazy and uses. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think when we're looking at other examples of like really great anime, um, I think and manga as well. Obviously, I think when he gets looped in there, I think it's because of his laid back kind of style of producing content. So there's multiple examples of Toriyama citing himself as being someone who just loves media and isn't afraid to integrate things into his own work to appeal to the audience mm-hmm. who you know is consuming the same media he oh. is. So. I think that makes a lot of sense and why he's kind of like looser with his storytelling. Um, and you can't really predict what's going to happen in the next art. So he's a notorious procrastinator, but also a self-proclaimed forgetful person. Like he legit forgot some of the characters names in Dragon Ball. In one of his interviews, he mixed up uh, <laughs> Super Saiyan two with Super Saiyan three one time. Like he, he's like all over the place. So you're so telling basically... me is that Akira Toriyama would be on a podcast and get added by the internet. Yeah, exactly. And he'd just be like, I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just here because he's basically like kind that. of <laughs> kind of the opposite of One Piece's Ichiro Oda, who knows how his story is going to end already. Like he knows this is how my story is going to end. Mm-hmm. And we're just kind of like telling the story and throwing things in. Whereas um, Toriyama basically has the basic ideas jot, jotted down for his storyboard. And then he'll just like get up and walk away and go like watch a movie or, you know, go watch you know tv or i love manga. him i don't know then, him but i love him that's a work ethic i can get behind yeah and then you know would come back once he's inspired which would probably be the one of the reasons why he's having to cram to meet those things for for the new uh for the weekly shonen jumps but definitely a little bit of a different style but one that incorporates mm-hmm. pop culture into your your stuff even in like a world that's not ours so and even kind of past that with all of that work, he took a big step back after Dragon Ball Z proper ended. Um, more so these days, he has more of an overseer role, like in the super kind of manga and the super show. He basically kind of gives ideas on what he thinks characters should be and kind of how the characters should play out. And then the production does a lot of the work now. Um, 
but for a while it wasn't even like that. So for GT, if you're not familiar, it was you know, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, which like isn't canon anymore and doesn't exist. But Toriyama didn't have anything to do with that other than he gave the name uh, Grand, uh, was it Grand? I don't remember the name. Gran Turismo, Grand Grand Trek. Uh-huh. I don't know. Some some God, series is bad. It's just bad. Doesn't get good until yeah. the last like ten episodes. Um, but he only gave that one the name and then walked away. It was actually drag the combination of Dragon Ball GT and Dragon Ball Evolution, which basically kind of brought him back to be involved at all. So he was quoted as saying, "I'd put Dragon Ball behind me, but seeing how much that live action film ticked me off and how I revised that script for the anime movie, and people complained about the quality of the TV anime." I suppose along the line, it's become a series I've lo- I've liked too much to ever leave alone. So he's like, I can't like, yeah. have the massacre in my boy. So we had to come back and at least the one good thing things. that came out of that movie, yeah, is bringing back Toriyama. Can yeah. you this- also? Can we all just imagine the shame that that person must feel? It's like, oh, I pissed off the creator so much yeah. that he actually came out of retirement to start working on the series again. <sighs> That's yeah, the brutal. creator who was was firmly being like, "All right, I'm done. Like, I don't, I don't got to do anything. I have nothing more to prove to you guys." Right. Seeing that and having to like dust off his, he probably had like his own like anime training montage, like with his pen and stuff. <laughs> so he's like, I, I, I got to get back in here. Yeah, it's um. So him in general, just very kind of like happy go lucky, which I think is, I don't know, it just seems like very like endearing to me. Like this dude just wants to like. Gave a couple of ideas to the point where uh, during one of the conversations with one of the producers in an interview, he was like, yeah, you guys probably know more about the series than I do at this point because he's so like hands off as long as Goku does stuff that he thinks Goku would do. He's fine with how else the story goes because the Dragon Ball GT storyline is completely like a toy animation. Uh, that's their, that's the child. There is no Dragon Ball GT manga. Um, so they kind of just like let them do whatever they want and just, just didn't sit very well with him. Um, so now he's kind of just more or less overseeing Super, which, you know, is good and bad, depending on, I guess, who you're talking to. I enjoy Super. I think the manga is also very good past what mm-hmm. is going on in the the anime, um, personally. So his influence is definitely there because it definitely feels like uh, Toriyama with its kind of still has not like as much as like a Dr. Slumper, the original Dragon Ball like humor, but it's back into the franchise where was very, very much missing in Dragon Ball GT where it was just more kind of serious and dark and kind of uh, more broody. Like doesn't don't add things to make it broody. Does not make it any better in my opinion? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with, with what they're doing with super, but I'm also glad that this guy is kind of like in his field, in his house, chilling for the rest of his life, making probably yeah. buku bucks. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I'm realizing as we discuss this, that, Granted, a big part of why I didn't know that he did more is that I didn't really look into it. But when I think about the scope of Dragon Ball as a franchise, I just sort of assumed he doesn't need to do anything else. Yeah, True. that's what I was going to say. I've Because no, like, there are some people that like I I read a manga by them. I'm like, okay, got to go see what else they do. I've never once felt like that with Toriyama. And I think it's just because Dragon Ball is so big and there's mm-hmm. so much content that I'm just like, eh. Like, I just yeah. stick with that. And it's not because he's not good. It's more so that, like, I feel like Dragon Ball is almost like this. It, it's different than Oda, but, like, 
nobody cares about what else Odo's written because he is one piece. Like you're yeah. not, yeah. you know, you're not going to, to other things. Um, and like, I think that there are some people who, and it's for better or worse, but I think that there are some things that are so iconic and so vast and so deep that you're okay with it just being that one thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's so good that not saying that things are good doesn't make you want more, but like, I feel like there are just some things that hit a status where you're like, no, this is perfect. I don't want to touch anything else type thing. Like you're content. Yeah. Yeah. And that was going to be my question to you, Kate, um, as we kind of are getting through the, the tail end of this, as somebody who reads a lot more manga, I'll, I was going to be my question. Like how common is it, at least nowadays, I guess back then, maybe mm. not, maybe not so much um, with so much manga, so much stuff out there. How often are these manga doing other things? So it... It depends. I think it depends what types. I mean, obviously just speaking to shonen, because shoujo, shoujo very much it's like, and this is a very broad generalization, don't at me, but like you get your, you do your 10 volumes, you're done, and then you start your next thing. Like um, Aosaki Zawa, I think, or Aosaki Zawa or something, she has done like so many like cornerstones and like current like slice of life romances. Um, Saki Zawa, yeah. Um, but like with shonen, I feel like because there's such a high churn on shonen titles that usually mm-hmm. the people who hit big stay around and you're not really looking at other things. And then you have the people who stop, who have their stopping point and then they go make something else. And it's hard because I'm trying to think of something and like, I feel like a lot of people just have one big property and if they have multiple small ones, they don't necessarily have a lot of them. And that's just because, and, and this is like completely from the United States perspective, right? Because like we don't get everything mm-hmm. that's out over there. Um, the only one that I think breaks that is the Inuyasha mangaka, um, Rumiko Takahashi. Homegirl mm-hmm. literally did every 90s thing that like, is, like she has such a long list of things and that was somebody who i know like currently because all her stuff is getting re-released in collector's editions like that's that's somebody who like go through and pick up all their stuff um but even for me like if i think about a lot of the stuff that i have on my shelf like unless it's something that's short form like my bl section where it's like okay this is a three volume series and it's done then they go do other stuff but usually when it's like no here's a whopping like 25 30 volume series like i feel like that's a little bit less so because even like the author the manga for full metal doesn't have too much stuff outside of full metal um but yeah i don't know if that answers your question but like now that i'm thinking about it yeah, like there's it just seems complicated right yeah like, there's, it's, it's hard and yeah, i guess you're right um i think what really stuck to me there is like we don't really know because we're not in japan yeah so we don't really yeah. we get what we get really we get the selected uh, stuff yeah that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so as we're kind of running the till in, this is going to be more of a short episode, but I do have some fun facts. Again, they're kind of hard to find because I didn't do too much media, but I mm-hmm. think some of these fun facts are cute. So the first one is that he's an animal lover. He's kept many different species of birds, dogs, cat, fish, lizards, bugs, his pets since he was a child. Some were even used as models for his characters. So if you remember Corrin, like the little cat uh, who's you know gives like the beans and things like that um and beerus are modeled after cats that he had when he um throughout his life i just love the idea that beerus is uh, is modeled after a real cat like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that adds a layer to it 
Yeah. I mean, that that whole, you know, God thing is just full of just animals and things. I think that's just super cute. They get, got to finally kind of go in there and do that. Um, I guess it would also, like, make a lot of sense on why, like, there's always such a big um, emphasis in Dragon And this is all just coming to me right now. But there's a big emphasis in Dragon Ball Z of, like, the animals being protected even when, yeah. like, fights are going on. You know, yeah. Goku bringing that one bird back to life in <laughs> in the cooler movie when Gohan's like out like by himself and he's like, you know, protecting the animals and stuff. Makes a lot of sense. That's that's wholesome. I like that. I like that. That that may, that's make that has made me like him more. That's very good. Uh we talked earlier but he does have a son named Sasuke which is, you know, cute on a multiple multiple layers given the influences of Naruto um that have been attributed to Dragon Ball and things like that and kind of Sasuke is just kind of like a character in in japanese culture Mm -hmm. his favorite character ironically enough is hercule which i think is like super interesting given his reclusive nature because he's very much more in my head more like a goku where he's gonna go save the world but he's not gonna tell anybody about it whereas hercule's like i'm gonna take all the credit for not saving the world when i didn't really do much uh so but hercule was his favorite character he's he's, he was quoted um as saying that he would do a spinoff series with hercule like if he could where it's just like hercule's life kind of thing i want like that series, but I, I want there to be two versions. I want one to be how Hercule sees himself and the stories that he would tell about himself. And then I want yeah. who Hercule actually is. Yeah, I feel like Hercule's version of himself, like he's like legit. He thinks he's one punch man. Yes, it feels yeah. like. And he's. uh, But he's really just, just like give thrilling. us a, a one off, like a one shot manga where Hercule gets one punch man abilities. OK, I will say <laughs> just this. one. I will say this, though. Hercule does just want to be a good dad. Like that is also oh, yeah, so he's, he's a great dad. <laughs> yeah, he's a great dad. And he's a great grandpa too. Yeah. yeah he's a great grandpa with uh yeah. with Adele. Um well, isn't fa- there like a whole thing in the manga where they're like, if it helps humans feel safer to think that that idiot stopped this, then like let him. Yeah. Basically, yeah. <laughs> they're like, just let him take the credit. It doesn't actually matter. Yeah. He's just rich, just chilling. He's li- he's living a good life. Living a good life. And this one's a little bit harder to prove, I guess, because we don't really, you know, no one's sending me his taxes. So for my last fun fact that I don't even really know is like a fact, but given the fact that this friend of the Dragon Ball franchise is worth like $5 billion, uh, his estimated net worth is $45 million, which is probably another reason Oof. why he's not doing very much because he kind of doesn't have to do anything. He's yeah. probably sitting sitting pretty. Uh, yeah, he's... Goku is about to be an ambassador for the twenty the twenty twenty like Olympics. Like this, his his work speaks for itself. So I'm sure he's getting residual money all over the place and all over the world. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of all I re- all I really have. Without going into too much of like you know, Dragon Ball is the best you know gateway thing because we've we've done that already. And I don't want to you know episode episode eighty four. We talk all about that stuff there. But that's kind of all I really have. Episode I, I think, 84, yeah. episode, like, <laughs> there are multiple episodes. And then you can um, hear the Shonen episode, which is also just us talking about Dragon Ball for, like, a solid 15 minutes. This is true. This is true. So I think this was this episode for me was more, like, he's more than just Dragon Ball, but the stuff he does in Dragon Ball is cool. But he's also just, like, a nice guy that I would love to meet and have a beer with one day because you know, he seems just like a genuine guy. I will say this. I don't want to meet many American writers because a lot of them sound like dicks, even comic book writers. But I would like totally mm-hmm. meet like almost all the mangaka that I love. 
Except for Tina Kubo, just because he, like, I kind of feel like he's full of himself. I feel like he's, like, the only one that I don't like. But that's Mm. just, like, based, that may just be my bias against Bleach. Um, Even though I love Bleach. I don't understand it. Um, But, no, I feel like. I don't think I. Go ahead. I don't think I want to meet Odo because I feel like that's time he could be spent sleeping. Yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think Odo would be anybody because that's time he could spend writing his next chapter because we know (laughs) Odo doesn't understand what sleep is. (laughs) Uh, but that's all I really got. You want to get into some final thoughts, Kate, and then we'll end with Alex as per usual. I mean, my final thoughts are always, you know, he's he's the godfather of shonen anime is is, is the big thing for me. Um, and his work, just the fact that he's able to kind of take these influences from like all these different all these different places and throw it into an anime that is this wide reaching and has this kind of staying power, I think is 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 great. Um, one of my uh, friend's kids who's six, you know, showed him an, an episode of, of of Dragon Ball Z and he was into it. Like, that's a big, big generation gap of when this came out mm-hmm. into his generation and still hits the right notes for, for you know, Gen Alpha kids to, to be about it. Gen so. Alpha? Is that what we're on now? Yeah, he's like, he's like borderline, you know, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, because he's six. Can we just start naming them like Hurricanes? Yeah, like <laughs> Jen Albert, Jen Bianca, that'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, Jen Beth, <laughs> final Jen Beth, Jen Kathy, Jen Jen Chris Evans. Um, uh, Kate, final thoughts. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't really have much. This is a really lean episode, but I think it's one that is just wholesome, and I think that sometimes we need mm-hmm. that, especially with the world. Um, and I think that it just helps to kind of like learn about some of like the people that have made the stories that have mm-hmm. shaped us and who we are and how we consume media. Cause like at the end of the day, if you are somebody who watched anime, that influenced how you take in storytelling that influences how you judge other stories. And I think that for a lot of us, Akira Toriyama is part of those foundational elements of how we started Mm -hmm. building the stories that we like and i it makes me happy to just know that he's a wholesome old man now kind of like hiao miyazaki how i'm just like he's just a wholesome dude who just wants to make his stuff and he doesn't really talk want to talk to anybody like and i feel like that is perfectly fine and great and sometimes we need that like we don't need to know what his favorite food is or like the stupid things that like we hear about like different American celebrities. It's just, sometimes it's just nice to know that somebody just wanted to make things to make people happy. And that's mm-hmm. like, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for my final thoughts, I'm pretty much right there with Kate, like Akira Toriyama matters because of his legacy, not just the art that he leaves behind or the stories, um, but like the cultural impact and the example that he set. Um, I mean, it's always nice when I can Google somebody who I admire and there's not a controversy section on their Wikipedia page. Yeah. You know, there's no scandals, there's no lawsuits. And like, obviously people can have whatever problems they might have with his storytelling. Like it's not overly complicated or anything. Um, and maybe you want something more sophisticated, but like he was writing this to make little boys happy and he succeeded. He, you know, wrote a bunch of different things, worked on games that people love, um, made all these beloved characters and um, with examples that people follow. And then they also let like, le- again, leaving a good example himself. Like this is just like a wholesome, good episode. And like, 
he matters because like he did good. Like that, that's kind of the short version. Yeah, he, he used his fandom for good. Just like we like over here. And now oh, and he designed a car. Oh, and he, he designed, designed a, like, a car. How many manga how to many look manga? just like the things what? he draws in his manga. Like that's he's living the yeah. dream. Living the dream. I should have just locked into that and talked about him making an electric car for like ten minutes and how that's <laughs> why he matters. Which also, like, this circles back around to like Alex really doesn't come on the show for anime stuff, but he does come on the show for wholesome stuff, so it works. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, my anime knowledge is growing, but still lacking. So there's very few points where I can get plugged in on that. I don't know what... I feel like there should be a special name for people who became anime fans in the pandemic. Because Mm. they're such an important group. Like, this is totally an aside. But, like, if you found anime and manga in the pandemic... And this is why I get pissed off when people on Twitter are like, You're not a real anime fan. It's like, no. They literally turned to anime and manga when shit was at its absolute worst. And it helped get them through that. That that is the most important Mm -hmm. thing that stories can do for us. And I'm really excited because so many people I know are like, Oh yeah, I picked up Demon Slayer. Never seen it before. Or like one of Matt's best friends has been Mm -hmm. like commenting on like my stories on Instagram when I have anime in the background. He's like, what's the name of that? I want to watch it. And I was like, I didn't know you were a weeb. What? That's amazing. Let's go. I love that. Um, and- it's honestly getting that Shonen Jump subscription on my iPad. Game changer. Yep. So I am I am welcoming all weebs with arms wide open. And I think that's what Akira Toriyama would want us to do. I appreciate this that. <laughs> this is true. Um, but Alex, thank you so much for coming on. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, and thanks for having me. As always, uh, you can find me on Twitter at most always Alex. Uh, Game Boys Co-op or uh, Game Boys Podcast, which is a co-op podcast. It's at Game Boys Co-op on Twitter uh, and Friday.com for genre and horror stuff. If you like spooky things, we need to get back to recording the writers' room. But when we do, it's always fun and chaotic. So uh that's that's the part of that i'm trusted with so go look into that i think all of our episodes are free on patreon actually so yeah just go get it uh and as always if you want to join the community head on over to uh but why though pc on all of our social media but if you want to get more involved and join the community in everyday talk of things head on over to discord.gg slash but why though slash b-u-t-w-h-y T-H-O. We have a really cool Discord community. We do community night events uh, where we watch movies. Adrian hosts trivia sometimes. Um, we do happy hours. We do a whole bunch of stuff. So, like, come hang out with us in there and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash butwhythoughpc. You can find me on Twitter at omamithrandir, where I've apparently made a TikTok because that UI is better than Reels. It's a weird place. I don't, it, it's loud and it yells at me when I open it. And I don't like that, but <laughs> it's a place. Adrian? Yeah, but you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z, 93. 